0: seated. Hey everybody, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal. Man, is it amazing uh, that today is August the 2nd. August is here. It just blows me away that uh, our summer has uh, just... uh, Fastly, uh, it's just just going by, whizzing by, and uh, I hope you and your family are are having um, a great summer. We've had a great summer here at Coastal. We started the summer uh, with our series called At the Movies, and uh, we're in week three now of a new series called Summer Reading, and it's a little similar uh, to At the Movies in, in that instead of using uh, a movie, you know, as oh, by the way, I, was, I forgot to announce, um, and you're already seated, but. Uh, we have people that have been coming in, some people that are sitting at the back. And so this is for all the single people. You just say, thank you, Pastor Chris. If y'all scoot in a little bit, scoot, if, there, if there's a space, like a couple of seats in your row that are, you know, that are there kind of in the middle, there you go, kind of scooch in so that people could find some seats around, you know, the side and just start loving. Just just touch somebody next to you. No, I'm just saying, don't do that. Oh, just, just love on one another today. And if any proposals, I'll take, I'll take uh, credit for that, and you can come and see me later. Um, but uh, anyway, sorry about that. forgot to announce that. Um, so if you're in the back and you'd like to find a seat, go ahead and find one. Um, but uh, summer reading, the idea for the series is that um, I pick out about five or six books that I think are worthwhile reading, and we kind of promote those and say, hey, pick up a book. In fact, we have uh, uh, the books out on a table, and they're pretty cheap, and uh, say, read them. And then on Sunday morning over the summer, I'm going to kind of use those books as a springboard uh, as the subject matter for my sermon that day. And uh, because we believe here at Coastal, right, that uh, leaders are Readers. readers, right. And I know some of you have made that pledge. That you have, you're never going to read a book again after high school or college, and you've kept that pledge. And then uh, others of you just love to read. So, and we got everything in between. Um, but today's book is a great, great book by one of my favorite authors, Max Lucado, um, and it's called Grace. And uh, I, I love, I love Max and his writing. And this is a great book on a great subject. And I want to talk about it today. Um, complete uh, one of these common American phrases. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually. Is uh, we make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. earn it. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There is no pain with There's no gain without pain. And God helps those who. Okay. Uh, you know, everything about the American way of life kind of teaches you that, well, you, you, you get what you earn in life, Right. You get what you pay for, you know, it's it's, it's the American work ethic, and and for for many generations it's served us well. Uh, The only problem is that it kind of creates a little bit of difficulty in the way in which we relate to God, uh, because God does not relate to us based on our performance. The Bible actually says that God relates to us And everything God does in our lives, every blessing we have in our lives, uh, is a result that comes by grace uh, as a gift, a free gift. In other words, it's something you can't earn. You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. It is an absolute free gift of God's grace. Now, I know the pushback from some of you is going to be, yeah, but come on, Pastor Chris, wait a second. Now, you know, the things that I have, you know, I earn." You know, I worked for, I, I paid the price. Listen to me just for a second. You would not have your mind, the brains that you have, uh, the, the strength that you have, the energy that you have, if God did not give it to you. Everybody take a deep breath this morning. Deep breaths are good for you. Anyway, take, take a deep breath. Ready? to Go. Blow it out. That was a gift from God right there. Okay? The breath that you are taking, that is a gift from God, a gift of His grace. Now, the Bible is very clear about this. God saves you by His grace. He blesses you through His grace. Uh, he, he takes you to heaven by grace. Everything in my life that's good, it, it, that's a gift from God, it is, it is from Him and by his grace. In fact, look at these verses on your outline on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15.10. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor. Some translations say, or grace. That's that's what grace is, right? It's a special favor of God. He says, everything I am, it's all because of God's special favor on me. It's all because of his grace. John 1.16 from the fullness of his what? Grace. We have all received one blessing after another. So today I want us to talk about that. I want us to talk about grace. Now I know some of you might think, well, I already know what that is. Well, I think a lot of you have like a head knowledge of grace. And you, you've heard the phrase and you've, you might even heard a few messages and you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's God's gift to me. You know, I can't earn. It. I don't I don't work my way to heaven. I got it. And yet, many of you don't live it though. In fact, it's as though you constantly think that God disapproves of you. You you even think that, you know, not only are you not saved by your own efforts, but you're you you believe, though, that you are trying to appease an angry God. You get up in the morning and basically think, God's mad at me. And you kind of have this picture of God as if he is an unpleasable parent saying, it is not good enough. You know, your efforts aren't good enough. Can't you do any better? And he's got this constant scowl on his face. You know, and when he thinks of you, it's like, come on, man, get your act together. You know, when are you going to get it right? Right. And so you walk around with this constant sense of of condemnation. And, you know, you come to a church like ours and we constantly talk about, you know, well, Christianity is a relationship. It's a personal relationship with God. And then you think to yourself, well, I don't want to have a personal relationship with somebody who's angry at me all the time. Who's mad at me? And quite frankly, that's what's keeping a lot of you at an arm's distance from God, from Christianity, the Lord, the church, whatever, because you think God's mad at you. Now, there are many different definitions of the word grace. Uh, You know, you you might think of grace as kind of a diamond. It's got many, it's multifaceted, many different sizes, many different shapes. No one definition could ever adequately define grace or describe it. Here's a a couple of definitions used over the years. I I like these. Grace is God's love in action. God's love in action. I like that. Uh, Grace is is when God gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, many people confuse grace with another biblical term, and a good term, uh, mercy. Because God is both gracious and he is merciful. But there are really two different things. You know, mercy, think about it this way. Mercy is when God doesn't give you what you deserve. Have you ever done anything wrong and not got punished for it? That's mercy. Or you might say, that's Tom Brady. You know, basically, right? (laughs) Deflate gate. I'm so sick of that. Anyway, okay. um, On the other hand, on the other hand, when God gives you, when he gives you. And that really is the important part of the definition of grace. It's something that he initiates, he gives you. When he gives you what you don't deserve, that's grace. And so today I want you to walk out of here not just understanding grace in your head, but today I want you to feel it in your heart, maybe for the very first time. I really want you to feel the love of God. I want you to feel the unconditional Grace of God. Let's talk about it. The letter G in the word grace, it stands for God's gift to me. You've already heard that a lot. It's His gift, it's God's gift to you. Now, here's the problem, though. You know, if you were to go out today and ask, you know, 10 people on the street, how do you get to heaven? I I really believe you'd hear some version of this, this answer. Well, you know, just work really hard and do your best and, you know, make sure that at the end of your life, your, your good outweighs your what? you're bad, and uh, because God grades on a curve, and if you're good is you know, outweighs your bad, then um, surely he'll let you sneak in, okay? I mean, that's, that's basically in a nutshell what a lot of people think. Most people think that the way you get to heaven is being a what? Pretty good person. Right, exactly. Now, there's no, here's a problem with that. You ready? There's not a snowball's chance in hell you're going to get to heaven by being a good person, <laughs> okay? That's the fundamental flaw with that, with that theology, um, Because heaven is a perfect place. And the standard of heaven, you know, of our entry into heaven, guess what? It's not me. It's not you. It's not your wicked neighbor or coworker, because you can always find somebody worse than you, right? I mean, look at the person sitting next to you. You're thinking in your head, I'm better than them, right, you know? I mean, if heaven's a a curve, you're getting in. They might not, but you're getting in. I mean, that's kind of what, I mean, I know we're sick that way, but that's kind of the way we think. Um, But here's the deal. You ready for this? They're not the standard. Now, listen to this verse. Here we go. Romans 3.23. For all have what? Sin. Sin. And all fall short of whose glorious standard? God's glorious standard. You ready for this? God is the standard. The absolute holiness and perfection of God. Not you, not me, not your neighbor. It's God. Now if he's the standard... Who falls short? We all do. And yet we just spend way too much time, don't we, judging one another about how far away from the standard we all fall? I mean, it's sick. The Bible says there's only one way you're going to make it to heaven, and that's by God's grace. You can't earn it, deserve it. You can't get enough brownie points or credit for it. You know, you... You, if perfection is the standard, we we, blew, we all blew that a long time ago. Nobody here bats a thousand anymore. In fact, look at this verse, Romans 11, 6. And if they are saved by God's kindness, then it's not by their good works. For in that case, God's wonderful kindness would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. It's God's gift. Now, that is the absolute best give, you and I are ever going to be offered. Now, how do we receive it? The letter R stands for received by faith. Grace is received by faith. In other words, you don't earn it, you don't work for it, you don't deserve it. You don't, you don't try to do a bunch of good things to get it. Like, well, I know, you know, if I just show up to church every Sunday and I take communion, that'll earn me God's grace. I get God's grace. Or, hey, they're having a baptism today, and so if I get baptized, that, that's like the free ticket into heaven. I get God's grace. No. Man, if, you're, if, if that's what you're doing, you're just getting wet. You know, if, if you're here thinking, you know, by, by legalism, that if you're here and, and, you know, you perform and you take communion, that's going to get you into heaven, that, that's just snack time, okay? You're, you're missing the point. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Listen to this. For it is by what? Grace Grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Faith. And this is not from yourselves. By the way, that means that even the faith that you have to believe and to trust is also a gift from God. God gives you that faith to believe in Him, to trust Him. And it says, it is the free gift of God, not by your works so that nobody could boast. In other words, salvation is not based on your performance. It's based on God's promise. It's not based on my own merit. It's based on the mercy of God, the grace of God. You know, the Bible is full of awesome stories about uh, God's wonderful grace. One of my uh, favorite ones, and probably the most famous one, is uh, the story of the prodigal son. And uh, most of you are familiar with the story, and we've you know, preached entire messages and series on this story before, but basically the gist of it is this dad, uh, he's got a couple of sons, and uh, one day the younger son basically comes to him and says, hey, dad, I'm taking off, and I want all of my share of the inheritance right now. You know, yes, you're not dead yet, but I want my my half now. I'm taking off. And so he takes his family inheritance and he leaves to a foreign country, and he wastes everything. I mean, he just waste his life, waste the inheritance. Basically, the Bible says on wild living. Okay, wine, women, song, whatever you think that might mean. And so, after a period of time, it, when he's out of money, out of friends, these people who once were his friends, now the money gone, they're gone. Um, he ends up the only job that he can find because. The area in which he's living is experiencing a famine, and so out of money, out of luck, he's feeding pigs, okay? That's the only job he could get. And while he's feeding pigs, he's so hungry, he wants to eat the slop that he's feeding them. And so he's, you know, devastated, he's destitute, he's busted, flat on his back, and finally this thought comes to him, you know... It's my own fault that I'm here, but the slaves that, you know, that work for my dad, the servants, they have it better than I do. I ought to just go back to my dad and beg for mercy, okay? Just tell the dad, hey, I blew it, and maybe he'll take me back. And so he does that. He, he decides that, you know, he's going to go back home He's going to tell his dad, you know, I don't even deserve to be called your son. But if you would just hire me back as one of your servants, I, I, I would be willing. I would, I'd like to do that just to just to save my life. Now, get this: the Bible says that the dad wasn't just merciful; he was gracious and loving. In fact, he was actually. Waiting for the sun to return. He was looking for the sun. And so he sees the sun coming home and then he takes off on a full run. Running to meet his son, he, he gives him this huge bear hug, and he kisses him, and he's smiling, and he's crying, and he's laughing, and he tells everybody else, hey, go, go get the best robe and put it on him. Go get my ring and put it on his finger, and uh, you know, br- let's bring him back to the family, because we got to celebrate. He says, hey, let's kill a calf. Because we're going to have a barbecue, tell Pastor Chris to bring his big grill over, right? You know, we're going to cook a a hog, you know. My my son, who once was lost, has now been found. He once was dead, but now he's alive. And Jesus goes on to say, hey, I, I, I told that story because I want you to know and feel how the Father feels about you when you come home. And then at the end of this story, he tells three stories, and he says at the end of each one, did you know that all of heaven, all the angels, they throw this huge party every time one person comes home? Man, isn't that that an awesome thought? You know, that's the kind of church we are here. We celebrate, we party, because People who have received and experienced the grace of God. We have more reason than anybody else in the world to party. We have every reason to celebrate. It's God's gift. We've we've received it by by our faith in Christ. Not not in ourselves, but in what Jesus did for us. The letter A, it's available to everyone. Now, what does that mean? You might write off to the side this simple phrase. God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't play favorites. Regardless of your status, you know, in life, regardless of your background, and this is important. You ready for this? Regardless of your past, regardless of what you've done, Regardless of where you've been, regardless of who you hurt, even if you just sit here this morning and say, Pastor Chris, you know what, it was was me. I'm, I'm the one who actually did it. I'm the one who made those decisions. Listen, regardless of what you've done, God loves you unconditionally. No matter who you are, where you've been, he wants you to come home to him. He wants to shower his grace on you. He wants to throw a party for you. And so do we. Notice this verse, this next verse on your outline. um, It's available to everyone. It says, everyone who is good-looking and calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You I know Joy made a joke earlier. Come into the Welcome Center and meet all the other cool people. Because guess what? We're all the cool people, right? We are. Everyone. Listen, you know, it, it doesn't say, you know, um, only the the good looking people, only the you know the fit people, only the smart people. You know it says everyone. You know, and some of you are here for the very first time today, or maybe you've just been coming for a little while. Congratulations! You know you pick, you picked a great day to come to church because as a new person, the grace of God is just as available to you as it is to somebody who's been to church every single day of their life. It is just as available. Because God's grace and His love for you is not based on you cleaning up your life first. It's not based on you, you know, and your church attendance. It's based on His love. You know, in some ways, we, we, it's really difficult to understand what it means to have a relationship with God without also understanding a little bit of this word grace because we can't even have a relationship with God without his grace. It really is the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of following Jesus. It's understanding that no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God's grace is available to you. The letter C, it comes through Christ. That goes back to our, our faith, our trust in Christ, because that's where it comes from. Acts 15, 12, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. We are saved through our faith in Christ. Now, why does grace only come through Jesus? Well, it's very simple. You ready? Because he's the one who paid for it. Grace is free. Don't miss that. Hear that loud and clear. But it's not cheap. Because somebody had to pay for it. And it costs Jesus his very life. That's how expensive your ticket to heaven is. That's how expensive paying the penalty for all the sins you've ever committed. And won't have to pay for is. It costs God his one and only son. But that's how much he loves you. You know, if you went home today and you found a gift sitting on your steps, it it would be free to you. I mean, it it would be yours. But somehow, somewhere, somebody had to pay for it. And your gift of salvation, your, your gift of forgiveness, your gift of heaven and eternal life and purpose and meaning and fulfillment and all the good things that come as a result of our faith, somebody had to pay for that. And he did. Jesus did. Why? Because he loves you. You know, there's a phrase that's used in the Bible of people, that's used to describe people who have accepted God's grace. And it's a little two-word phrase, in Christ. In Christ. Anybody who has accepted the forgiveness of God, who's accepted the grace, the salvation of God in the Bible is called, uh, we are called being in Christ. In fact, that little phrase is used over 120 times in the Bible. So what does it mean? Let me give you a little example. Let's say um, that your brand new Connect card, everybody fill that out, uh, represents your life. And uh, this is one of my Bibles in my office. Let's say that uh, my Bible today represents uh, Jesus. Okay? So this is my life. And this is Jesus. Now, as I go through my life, um, I make a lot of mistakes. And and, uh, I mean, I have blown it. And uh, my life gets torn up. And uh, people hurt me. Um, I hurt a lot of other people. And I've got some relationships that have just... Messed up my life over the years, and then some habits in my life, and I do all kind of dumb things and stupid things, and uh, I make some bad decisions, and um, my life gets pretty, uh, pretty tattered. Uh, it is, uh, it's a shamble. It's, it's a, it's a mess. Um, and there are areas of my life that, quite frankly, there's no way that I could ever, uh, you know, put back together again. And so. It's not a very pretty sight. But the Bible says that when I come to God and I say, Father, I want to come home. And I want to accept your grace that's found in Christ. I believe. I I place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on that cross. And I believe that, that my my mess, my shambles, my sin, my decisions, put Jesus on that cross because he died for me. You know, the Bible now says that when I do that, he actually puts me in Christ. In fact, listen to this verse. Listen to this, Colossians 3.3. For you died when Christ died, and your real life is now what? What's, what does he say? What's the word? Hidden with Christ in God. In other words, when when I am in Christ, now this is so amazing. God makes a choice. He makes a decision. He chooses now in His grace and in His love to no longer see my imperfections, my garbage, my sin my shame, my guilt, all the stuff in my life, all the the torn up, shambled pieces that I've made of my life, and he now places me in Christ. And so when God now looks at Chris Rollins, what does he see? In fact, more importantly, who does he see? He sees Jesus. All he chooses to see when I'm in Christ is Christ. That's what happens when you accept Christ. The grace of God. That's the way God looks at you 24-7. Now, we still might have to deal with the, you know, the result of the sin and the mess that we've made. But that's what God sees. I don't know how to say this any clearer than this. Because that's why when you're a believer, when you've accepted the grace of God, he's no longer mad at you. In fact, he's never, ever mad at you. You know, I don't know how to say it any clearer than this. There is nothing that you could ever possibly do that would make God love you more than he does right now. He already took the first step. He already provided the way out. He knew that we, we were going to blow it. He knew we, we weren't going to live a perfect lives. And so he provided the way out. Why? Because his love for you is not based on who you are and what you do. It's based on his promise of grace and love and mercy. And it's directed at you. If you would ever get that, man, it would totally change your life. You would stop running from God, worrying about what he thinks about you, that he's angry with you. You don't run from somebody who... Who loves you. You run from someone who you think wants to scold you or punish you. Not from somebody who wants to hug you and help you and change you. What is the thing in your life that you are most ashamed of? What is that skeleton in your closet? That choice that you made that you wish that nobody else would ever know about and you wish you never would have made. That is what the grace of God is for. Listen, there's no therapy in the world. There's no pill, no book, no seminar that can make the kind of changes in your life that God's grace can. God wants to take the very things that you are most ashamed of and he wants to wash them away. And he wants to give you a brand new slate. You don't have to be the same anymore. You get to start over. You get a new life and a new start. Here's the fifth element of God's grace, the letter E. Extended for all eternity. Extended throughout eternity. The Bible says this in Romans 6.23. For the wages of our sin is what? Death. That's the bad news, right? That's bad. The wages of sin, the penalty of our sin is death. Here's the good news. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You might say that... That uh, grace is the gift that keeps giving and giving and giving. God saves the best for last. When you get to know Jesus and his grace and his love, it just keeps getting better and better and and better. It is available and extended throughout all eternity. And the very best is yet to come. You ever wondered what heaven's going to be like? What heaven's going to be like? We have a few... uh, you know pointers in scripture about what heaven's going to be like, you're going to be reunited with loved ones who knew the Lord and went on before you. You're going to be rewarded for your faith. You're going to be given a position of work that you love to do and you never get tired of. You're going to be released from all pain and depression and shame and guilt and You're going to rejoice and party for all eternity. But there is a catch. You have to accept it. You have to accept it. You know, this is such a a great deal. And, you know, week in and week out, I think to myself, man, if you don't accept this, I mean, it's like you and I are dumb and dumber if we don't, you know, if we don't reach out and accept this, I mean, I cannot fathom why everything you would ever need for life is offered to you for free, and you would say, oh, no, I think I'll just hold on to my sin and guilt and shame and go to hell. Like, why? I mean, it's not like, it's not like you know, something hard, like you have to walk across America on glass with bare feet. It's a gift. In fact, listen to this. Look at this. Isaiah 30, 18, you ready for this? The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Did you know that? That he is waiting for you to accept his gift? That he actually enjoys being gracious. That he is not mad at you. That he—it's as though he is waiting and looking. He's waiting on you simply to turn around and come home, and then he will take a, a dash towards you with arms open wide, ready to welcome you home. Some of you have held off because you are afraid of being rejected. This is the one person who will never reject you. His name is Jesus, and he is saying, come home. You know, you've been overwhelmed by the shame in your life, and did you know you could get rid of it today? You could walk out of here with a clear conscience. The more you understand the grace of God, the more you fall in love with God, the closer you want to get to him, the closer you want to get to Jesus. Because it's almost impossible not to love somebody who loves you that much. Bow your heads and pray with me. Let me ask you a question. As as your eyes are closed and your head is bowed, can you feel the grace of God in your life? Can you feel how much he loves you? Right now, God is speaking to each and every one of you, and he is saying, I see every stupid thing that you have ever done, and I still love you. It's as though he is wrapping his arms around you right now, and he is saying, you matter to me. His grace is available to you right here and right now. It is the very reason why he brought you here today. There's no reason to wait. There is no reason to delay. Simply respond to him right now in your heart and say, Heavenly Father, today I want to come home. Today I take that one step toward you. And I say, I believe. I put my faith my trust in Jesus and what He did on the cross for me. My sin put Him on that cross and He died for my sin. But I also believe today that Your power and Your love were so great. I put my trust and my faith in him and him alone and I accept your wonderful free gift of grace. Father, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And for the rest of my days, no matter how long I'm here on this earth, I simply want to follow Jesus. And I want to become I want to become more and more like you seem clean and fresh and brand new that the slate has been wiped clean and so day by day i just i want to become more like that not to appease an angry god but to thank a gracious loving heavenly father and it's in the name of jesus i pray